five, two. <laughs> oh shit! My my one you. This is was so fun and only fun to us and to the to the least compelling weekly part of our podcast is I got five, two, one, and then the one hung there for a while. So it definitely had enough room to put a three and a four, but it still chose not to do it. So that's where I was today. How about, how about you? How many five and numbers did you get? Full countdown, baby. Riverside oh, loves nice. me. Riverside, Riverside loves me. Riverside, both .fm and .california, comma, California. Love you. Hi. Welcome to Fan Controlled Fandom. I'm Kenny Stevenson. Hi, I'm Alex Enriquez. Welcome. What the hell are we doing? What the hell is this? Kenny, would you break it down for the people? Oh, we're, we are living and breathing and operating and taking up space in the Cape space. This is all pieces of fandom content that involve people wearing capes, whether they be fighting uh, dragons, whether they be flying through space, whether they be flying. Because uh, I guess that flying through space kind of covers a lot there. But sure, you know, Star Wars, all the things. I don't know if there's a cape. In what we're talking about today, there's definitely a cape in the sequel for what we're talking about today. But we're talking about TMNT, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem. And we did see a little person with a, a little person, a large person with a cape uh, at the end of this bad boy. So there will be capes in the future of this franchise, but not currently any capes, right? There were no capes in this movie, right? I don't think so. I, it's not capey. It's capey by extension. Yeah, it's capey by proxy. This is capey by proxy. <laughs> capey by proxy. KP, we are we're, we're having we're just having a laugh. Guys. It sounds like it's something. Just... It sounds like something from a Supreme Court decision. Like oh, uh, he God. was it, uh, the defendant was only KP by proxy. <laughs> oh, oh no! What? Did, oh no! Oh, yeah. Sorry, I'm typing in something into the show doc into the doc but I, while we're while we're going peeking behind the sausage um before we talk about tmnt <laughs> we're lifting the sausage and letting you get a peek behind it just getting underneath the sausage just seeing what's back there the side so you can get its inseam um hmm. <laughs> hmm. which side did you want your sausage on it's too much sausage <laughs> we have to get to the pieces of nerd news it's called quick hits here comes the stinger yeah i love it i know i'm looking at the like riverside.fm like display here and i'm feeling like there might be some way where i could play it live but i don't know if it would be but so let's try that next week maybe uh anyway so first of all our show normally drops on a friday we were unable to record because alex you were incredibly sick was the text that i got from you you were like right I was throwing up all night. I don't know if I can function. I'll text you later. Did not hear from you the whole rest of the day. I'm assuming that it was it was pretty harrowing over at your house. Yes? I, all I'm going to say to you, to all of our, our loyal listeners, Kevin Feige, who's obviously listening. I mean, obviously. Don't eat, don't eat train ham. Don't get on Amtrak and eat anything with ham in it. It's, it's going to bite you. Not a good, so not a good 24 hours, not a great 24 hours. And by the way, this was luckily I dodged most of it over the course of the anniversary. It wasn't until we literally got back home that I said, oh, no, illness is upon me. I've been beset so you, upon by some sort of malady. So you and your lovely wife celebrating your fourth anniversary. That's the day. 
Look at me. I was there. So I could, I was you were there, buddy. My head. I you did capoeira. You did capoeira into the pool, which I don't think you meant to do, but everybody's very impressed. <laughs> Just sitting at the bottom of the pool. That's one of the, one of the few things I can put some ankle weights on. I can get to the bottom of a pool and do some capoeira, baby. Um, you did, yeah. You did a Brazilian flying crescent Brazilian kick. Art of dance just, fighting. <laughs> Yeah, you just kind of misjudged it and scuffed right into the bottom of the deep end. But like you said, you had the ankle weights on because you were kind of doing a fitness thing for everybody. Yeah, you know. And uh, um, so you were celebrating your anniversary. You guys decided, y'all decided to go to Disneyland. You had some meat on the train, taking the Amtrak down to, to Anaheim. Great way to keep a car off the road that's being extremely sustainable. I'm proud of y'all. And then sometime after the end of a full day at Disneyland, you the ham sandwich was like, gotta go gotta go <laughs> I, yeah I, it, it turns out i took the ham track to anelheim and wow. i just <laughs> thought of that now although although thankfully and knock on wood not many of my problems were were poo based it was really it were it really there was a you know i was biting through the sandwich going it's a little cool in the middle and uh <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> yeah you know what? Go with your oh, instincts. Man. That's what that's that's what we always say here on the podcast. Number one is we're go the day one gut. boat stand kings, and number two is go with your gut. <laughs> number three is don't know where to bust. Don't and know number where four, to bust. and number four is cast Tamura Morrison as live action Echo. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about actual quick hits because I'm sure everybody has been riveted by vomit talk. Twenty twenty. Thanks everybody. Thanks everybody. Uh, so, the big thing there hasn't luckily since we were supposed to record and when we're actually recording there because of the strike, because of uh, the fact that we are now on day 98 of the Writers Guild. This is day I think we're getting close to four weeks of the Screen Actors Guild strike. Nothing is shooting. Um, nothing is casting. So there isn't like a ton of news, which is great. But we so there hasn't been any big news that broke since we were supposed to record it now, which is normally the case. But the big news coming out of the last week is the season two trailer for loki which it's this is like peak marvel because we're coming off arguably the worst marvel i think i don't think it's arguable the worst marvel television show i don't know where secret invasion falls in terms of like the movies but to have such a bad taste in our mouths from a just guga ending to a show to then get a trailer for Loki that's like, oh, I'm ready to go again. I'm ready to go. This this trailer was fantastic. Right. It's it's uh, definitely well. Loki too is also something we want, and that's Secret true. Invasion was really not something. This one was not something we really wanted. And actually, it's funny. I saw an item today. I don't, I don't know if you saw this, but the entirety of Secret Invasion clocked in at like three hours and forty three minutes. I saw that. Which is like a long first cut of a movie. Um, yeah, it, yeah. We, you it, know, I've, I've talked shortest... about my. Sorry, well, go ahead. I've, I've, I've talked about my theory a lot of times about these these things of you know, hey, make your movie and the first the shaggy first cut you wanted to do will just help you turn it into five episodes of TV or whatever. Like, and I think that this is this is an example of that. I think maybe they got scared off by what they felt was Black Widow's mm. lack of response. And maybe that they shied off of things that were a little more espionage street level oriented. I, I don't know. But the the look, feel and tone of what we see from the Loki footage, it I mean, how how great does it look? 
I mean, that looks like it looks like MCU in a movie theater cinematic. Yes. And the fact that you open this thing up and we're right back in the, you know, the TVA has arguably been like one of the coolest kind of set pieces that they've created visually. Like, you know, it's not just the fact that like it, because it's Owen Wilson, but like, if you were to tell me this was, Wes Anderson directed this. I'm not saying it's wholly Wes Anderson, but it's definitely like has that attention to detail where we are creating something wholly specific and visually interesting. And then you drop, and then Owen Wilson's there and um, Tom Hiddleston's there. And we're like, great. I love both these people. And then you drop Kihei Kwan down and I'm just like, done. Like, great. I don't care what's happening. And he doesn't even need to talk, but great and then he starts talking and then this crazy time slip thing happens and i'm sold i'm just like great you got my great i'm ready to go when is this when is this premiere i want to watch i need to know why this is happening let's go now now other than speaking of this time glitch phenomenon we see loki go through other than the obvious sort of it's just the same basically do you think that this has any connection to the same sort of glitch phenomenon that happens to spider people across the spider verse it does definitely. Do you think they're going to make like that connection, a, or is it just like, oh, it just, you know, this is what happens between realities, or, or what? I don't know. I mean, the part of me feels like the the only thing I could think of in my mind, which I don't want to, you know, I don't want to again, don't want to put expectations on things. I'm just going off the information that we have from the way the show ended and from the way it is now, is that Lo- Loki is probably some sort of weird, like because he existed. He isn't like a variant, like, you know, the TVA exists to kind of maintain the sacred timeline. And so any variant is kind of brought in and then destroyed. But because he is this person who existed wholly outside of the sacred time and when everything split, when Sylvie killed he who, he who shall, it's not he who shall not be named, but it's he who remains. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of is now he who remains, although he was in the trailer. So it feels like we're sticking with Jay, with Jonathan majors. Here here we go. Um, So I, my thinking is that he might be some sort of weird anomaly because he existed outside of everything when everything split. And then now he's been brought back into it. And so that's why he's slipping. That's the, yeah, that it might be some visual representation of the glitch in the spider verse i doubt sony was like yeah sure you can use it in loki like i doubt it but (laughs) oh yeah proprietary glitching well anything that's so i know this from being an employee of sony pictures um is anything that is used and they tell us they tell you this when you're your first day as part of your onboarding (laughs) is any uh create anything that sony has created wholly in the spider sony universe of marvel characters is can't go the other way like we can bring doctor strange in but you can't take ned who is a wholly created by sony character you can't then move him and put him in echo you know what i mean so because the glitching spider verse thing happens in spider verse you can't then put that in another thing Ugh. what do we do we i think we are we on this. delay i think we're on delay can you hear me no i just no i i i the, this was supposed to be the whole thing like when you know the dream when disney took a bought marvel the ip was going to resolve at the very least to one 
creative house that would have a sort of a dominion there wouldn't be these vastly tonally different things happening and like a weird ghostwriter but like the fact that the arguably one of the biggest pieces of ip that that marvel has is being split up in this way it's like so so corny man I oh, you're gonna have to stuff. you're gonna have to pry Spider Man off Tom Rothman's cold dead hands. They will never give up Spider Man <laughs> ever. It's awful. But hey, I, I just mean, realized something. I know you mentioned this, but like, is the air conditioning really? Can you really, really hear it? I can't tell because it's cranking in my house too, and my fan and my computer's going. So whatever, man. Who cares? Hey, y'all. You know? Everybody, everybody's hot. Deal with it. There's probably, a, yeah. like I said last episode, there's probably some some air conditioner humming where you are listening, Kevin Feige, right now. Yeah, Anyhow, exactly. Kenny, sorry. It's okay. The Loki two trailer. I think we could say that we're all we're pretty hyped. I think we saw we saw plenty of Owen Wilsony being Owen Wilson. They get like a green piece of pie, which. I think at first glance is like what, but I'll tell you what, that pie looks good to me. I don't know how you Delicious. feel about it. I, I saw that and I was like, I don't know if that's like a like an extreme key lime pie, but it looks great to me. And you extreme this is a- key lime pie. <laughs> somebody 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 Ollie's it. <laughs> Poochie the dog comes in. Throwing shakas. Throwing shakas. Poochie the dog. Yeah, no, this looks I, fantastic. I, it, I'm great. very, yeah, I'm very excited to, and and it also to me, I think that was such a really proven, prove, proved or proven able creative team, and it yeah. looks like they're going to stretch even more, and that's always that's always been uh, at least interesting to watch, and I think a, a recipe for success. Mm-hmm. A property too that. In regards to the first season, I mean, I think it goes without saying that the first season of Loki is the best Marvel TV show, period. And a show that clearly, unlike some of the other properties we've gotten, clearly had an idea, knew what it was doing, knew where they were going, didn't end with a big giant, like, cartoony fight flying through the air. You know what I mean? They they just, it was 40, 45 minutes of that finale is just Jonathan Majors talking, and it's an extremely, it's unbelievably riveting so there, the proof is out there <laughs> that you don't need to have, you know, you know. God bless the people who are animating these things, but you know, you don't need to. It doesn't need to end that way, you know. <laughs> no, something with the proper amount of setup and you know earned stakes and also implications to the rest of the lore. I have we seen something? What else have we seen sort of in this immediate phase that has the same level of implication as that? As that, you know, he who remains Kang reveal at the end of Loki, you know, we, I, I think, think they've so, tried, yeah. but like even even infinite Kangs isn't as much a a, a pull as because we already know there's variants. So it's kind of just a cool like, hey, look at this. But but that that really felt like something, you know, that yeah. that whole that whole Loki series really felt like something that felt yeah. as important as the as the Marvel stuff is usually supposed to feel. Yeah, so, you know, no pressure on season two, guys, all right? <laughs> speaking of... Go nuts, Michael coming, Waldron. We love yeah, you. Yeah, please. Um, coming, speaking of uh, Marvel, obviously one of the properties that we've talked about very often, especially on this show with our constant bits about Johnny Blaze and Johnny Storm and Stanley Tucci. <laughs> <laughs> but some, we, don't, we don't have a cast for the Fantastic Four yet, but somebody did come out and say because there was rumor that they were going to be 
cast as Johnny Storm, the Human Torch, and that's Jack Quaid. He specifically came out and said, as much as I would love to have been in this, let me get the actual quote. I, by the way, saw him on the picket line today. I was walking. I was on the picket with him at Amazon. And so he's out there representing, holding down for everybody. Um, he said, he's out there clobbering unfair labor practices. Wait, that's the thing. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> no, that's right. that's, yeah, that's the thing. Let's see. He says, hello, everyone. He wrote on Thursday, August 3rd. Nope, not playing Johnny Storm, but hey, I'm flattered. Now that you're here, though, donate to the SAG After Foundation if you can. Uh, and then he included. So, hey, 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 uh, hey, AMPTP. It's like you all said lame on this morning. There it is. Yes. Way to go. Lame on thank this you. morning. Thank you. Fantastic. Everybody. Thank um, you. I'm waving to my neighbors. Thank you. Yeah, I know that nothing can be casting right now or for frankly should be, but the fact that he had to say this makes me feel like that this is actually true then, that he actually is going to be cast and he just didn't want to say anything because this is news that's going to come out as soon as the strike ends. That's that's also, I, I would love it if in some of these cases or maybe in a future case, it was something like this Jack Quaid guy genuinely is like, there's no, there are no discussions happening. He hasn't been made an offer. He's not on the table. This rumor comes out. He has to squash it. Somebody at Marvel goes, he would. He's like, I'm not going to be. Nobody's doing it. And then Marvel just says, uh, hey, we're going to make you Johnny Storm, but you can't tell anybody. He's like, oh, <laughs> no, for sure. Because I think, are you familiar? But with all off of him trying to squash the rumor. Um, no, I don't yeah. know. I don't know what Jack, uh, Jack Quaid is from. So Jack Quaid is uh, Meg Ryan and Dennis Quaid's son. And oh, Nepo baby. He's, he's on The Boys. Um, he, if you, you said you've watched some of the boys, right? Some, a little bit of it. He's the lead. He's the guy whose girlfriend is killed by, um, whatever the, the boys, fast of man, Flash. fast, fast guy, um, fast guy, you know? Um, yeah, that's who he's the lead, but he's also been in, he's also the, one of the main voice characters on star Trek lower decks. Um, oh yeah. 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 Okay. This dude. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with he's it. on Oppenheimer. He was in Scream Five. He's he's great. He's really really great. I mean, it's not shocking to me that Dennis Quaid and Meg Bryan's son is like a great actor. He is. He's very good, and uh, uh, he would make also, a good Johnny Storm. He's got no skin in the game, you know. He's got no skin in the game. Yeah, he's not in the MCU. He's going. There's a thing. Jack Quaid's the kind of person who will be in the MCU at some point. <laughs> so you might as well just cast him as Johnny Storm. So make him go. a Johnny Storm. Make him a Johnny Storm. He's gonna have to put some meat on him, and and he seems a little in all the press folks seem a little too good natured because Johnny's supposed to be a bit of a dickhead, isn't he? Pardon my French. Well, yeah, I mean that's yeah. I mean Chris Evans. That was Chris Evans was perfect casting back when they cast him. He's very much Johnny Storm. Johnny Johnny Blaze. Johnny Fire. Fire guy. Fire. It's Tucci. Tucci. Fire. Tucci. Hi, I'm Danny on fire. Where's the Where's the emergency? Fire it's now, me. he says. It's me, Flamer Guy. Hey, <laughs> what's my catchphrase? Fire, fire, go. Here we go. Fire, fire. Fire, fire, fire go. Here we go. That's what he screams. That's what he has to yell to activate his powers. And people keep interrupting. Fire, fire, now. Oh, shit. Fire, fire, go. Shut here up. we now. You guys can't talk while I'm doing it, okay? It throws me off. People can't. 38. 36. Stop counting while I'm doing it. I can't. I can't. can't keep, Hold on. I can't keep it straight. Hold on one second. Hold on one second. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This segment brought to you by me and the gentleman ghost. 
He's here. He's a DC character. Gentleman Jim Craddock, I think, was his Sorry. name. Sorry. Here we go. And anyway, this behind um, me is a limited edition Tomorrowland print celebrating the, uh, the Brad Bird movie. Oh, the Brad Bird movie. That was a movie that happened. It was a, and there's somebody didn't who played whoever played the daughter in that movie is now like big. I forget who that was. Anyway, this it's, is great. It's uh, uh, Willem Dafoe. It was mm-hmm. huge, just inspired, inspired yeah. casting. So here's the movie. Let's we're done with Marvel for the sec for the for the second for the most part for the, for now I should say. Um, there is a movie. Let's and switch there's over no audio movie. coming through. Here we go. You got it? Now you're back. Riverside FM just winning on all levels. Um, so the, <laughs> let's switch gears over to the DCEU. So let's oh have boy. some fun. So we'll put it so, in reverse. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, so apparently something that was announced was that uh, when uh, Patty Jenkins was no longer going to be making Wonder Woman 3. This was something that was announced when James Gunn and Peter Safran took over. Then we it was saying that, well, Wonder Woman is still going to be involved, but Patty Jenkins is not making a part three. However, it was revealed in an interview with comicbook.com. I'm assuming, I'm hoping this was before the strike because she does have a movie coming out on Netflix, I believe, like next week. Uh, Gal Gadot said that the actress said she will be developing Wonder Woman 3 for DC Studios with James Gunn and Peter Safran. So that's something she says, I love portraying Wonder Woman. It's so close to and dear to my heart. From what I heard from James and from Peter is that we are going to develop a Wonder Woman 3 together. So, I mean, there you go. That's happening. So it's just not going to be directed by Patty Jenkins, I guess. Has that has that been confirmed? Uh, by James Gunn? Yeah. I don't know. That is just that is just Gal Gadot. She has a movie coming out this weekend, uh, uh, August 11th, called Heart of Stone on Netflix. And so I'm hoping this was done well, in an interview before the strike because she should not be doing press interviews. I think she's, I, you know, I, I really think she was one of the rare, not only just a bright spot, but grand slams of the DCEU oh, as casting. You know, every time she showed up, it was just magic on screen. Her first, I, I still haven't seen Wonder Woman 84 because the weird buzz around it shied me off. But mm, the yeah. first one, it's, was incredible. It's way better than it was. It's it's I think what happened with that movie was specifically everybody had been trapped inside. There was no big movies put out. This was like the first big movie that was put out. It was put out in theaters and it was put on HBO Max to watch for free. It was the first like superhero big piece of IP content. And I think people were just like it had been too long and they were just looking people were not in a good mood, basically. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think if that movie would have come yeah. out at a different time, it probably would have been fine. I thought it was fine. I liked it. Anyway, continue. Yeah, I just I think that it's it's interesting because I, I I really wish for a full clean sort of break and reset. Um, yeah, but but I they'll figure a way to make it work. Obviously, we're dealing in multiverses and stuff is, Stuff from before is going to come back and they're going to explain it, I'm sure, but I don't yeah, know. I'm, it, it's I, not I'm, encouraging. I'm it's the first non-encouraging thing, really, about Ooh. this whole thing. That said, I'm fine with her, like you said. It's just, as much as I was fine with her, I think that the recast would have signaled something encouraging to me. 
Yeah, it definitely it's it's definitely like uh what is that Occam's razor where things are both good and bad at the same time. Uh it's uh Occam it's a Schrodinger's Schrodinger's cat. Got it. One of those things that's always a jeopardy answer. Um so the the thing is is yes, I think the casting of her and and her like she is Wonder Woman. Like it's I I'm genuinely they they truly truly nailed her like in terms of casting like you know henry cavill kind of like whatever looks like superman yada yada but like she is wonder woman like she is just her like i and i can say this because i have i have been in a room with her at a party and like was with like looked over and saw her and was like that's wonder woman like it wasn't even like (laughs) that's gal gadot it was just like wonder woman it was just like she just is and so there's a part of me that's like, great, I'd love to see her come back. But then there is the part of me that's like, right, yeah, like we're supposed to, part of this whole thing with James Gunn and Saffron taking over is to kind of refresh this, you know, is to kind of, because wonder she was in the last, she was in Shazam as like a cameo. And then she was in The Flash as like a cameo. And she, they just keep pulling around for these movies and it, none of that stuff worked. So it's like, she's still kind of this like, thing that exists from all the stuff that was not working in the dceu so unless they are going to you know i don't know but then if james gunn says that's what i'm making next that's what i'm directing next i'll be like great sure great perfect that's that's really where it's at and i think that that's probably the met the same kind of math they're doing at warner brothers is going like look it's people are she's great people are gonna love it either way would we love a fresh wonder woman sure but the years it'll take to find her and the opinions everybody is are gonna have about the search and all the, what that person is gonna be subjected to it's fine yeah i mean it, that's probably what they were like they probably were like they spent six they announced that they weren't gonna make it they were like did a bunch of test reads of some people and they were like it's not going to get any better than this. Like she's, this is it. Like she is Wonder Woman. So let's just, let's keep going. They'll probably bring Patty Jenkins back. Who knows? Um, real quick. This is a real quick piece of news. And it's more just because I just, I think you and I will be on the same page with this. Zack Snyder says that there is a sucker punch director's cut. And I think I say this deep down from the bottom of my heart is just Take that the fuck away, please. I don't want to hear anything about this. I don't fucking care. Pardon my French. I don't. I don't. I don't want to hear of any more Snyder cuts of anything. Please go away. That's all I want to say about it. Yeah, this is... I, I agree. It's like a who cares. It's also like, doesn't every movie have a director's cut? Thank you. Like, why? I mean, why not, I mean not, no, no, you're not right. Every, every, every movie. But because I, you know, there are movies that are a lot you know, more ramshackle where maybe the director doesn't have any editing rights or whatever, but any director, any director of any kind of status, including somebody like Zack Snyder would be, would, would have the right to make a cut of the movie. A director's cut exists of just about any major motion picture you've ever seen. And the proliferation of the director's cut on the DVD as almost a de rigueur thing now uh, should be, should be a signal of that. This isn't remarkable. And part of me feels like, bro, you already got one. Like, you already got, like, the internet, all the, like, mouth breathers got you one. You got to release your cut of your movie. 
like just be happy with that and and it was terrible and it was four freaking hours and just you got it like it's fine like you're done i need can i Don't go deep walking around saying like you know that really terrible movie i made sucker punch i've got a i got another cut of that i'm like no i don't need to see it man it's the so it's like the trump thing it's you know this is the greatest thing ever it's not but yeah. it but hey, it is. I mean, like they if you keep repeating the same thing over and over again, it becomes the truth. There was no Snyder cut, and then all of a sudden they talked about it enough that somebody let him make a Snyder cut. So wild. suddenly it's in existence. It's so, so, like, why does me. he need to change his behavior at all? I'm just gonna keep throwing hats over the fence. It seems to keep working out. Like the reality distorts around me. God, if they release some sort of like 12 hour Snyder cut of the Watchmen, I, I don't know. I don't know how I'm gonna make I don't know how I'll get up in the morning, frankly um because sucker punch is have you seen sucker punch no it, uh, i couldn't even make it through it it's terrible it's a terrible movie he should go uh, back to he should go back to doing music videos like that one that honestly, one that one song is a bopper that one i don't want to tell you numbers and i don't want to yes. make you you know that one it's a group no, like, is that, is that who is song. that I don't know, but the one thing I will say why I think I love this idea of him doing music videos is because it's all visual. Like no one doubts the fact that you can like create something visually interesting, but your ability to tell a story is like piss poor at best. So I just I'm just, I don't need to hear I don't need to see more cuts of the movie of your movies. I'm good. That, that's you know that's the thing to me really is like his the the fact that he can deliver his aesthetic which is it, at times very visually compelling 100%. is undeniable but why do people keep putting that into well yeah he's a storyteller no no he really really isn't that's why i mean like what i would say his most successful movie in terms of like i don't want to say even critical acclaim because critics are their own thing but like the movie that he released that got the had the least amount of like oh my god like hemming and hawing over it was that like zombie movie he made for netflix with dave batista and it's like because it was just like a it was a zombie movie it was just, it was like a zombie heist movie it was no there was no plot there was no like we weren't we didn't learn about you know david batista's character didn't have an arc and he, it was just like we got to go in and steal this stuff and there's also zombies done like okay great that's how you operate but like to then go but, to then I don't want to see a director's cut of that. Right. It's not, you know, any, anything that has any sort of contrivance above that is beyond his ability to articulate. Sorry to say, but like, you know, it, then you, then why, to, why, why look at it? Why look at that? Why look at that, you know, zombie movie and then go great. So tell us about this owl idea you've got. Cause I've oh. never seen the guardians of Gahul, but, I stopped me at Gahul, you know, like I, I don't, read, I've actually read the book. It's pretty good. I'm sure it is, but the, like that movie exists it animated does. owls and just like, who is it for? Who saw it? What, why, and why, and why does he continue to keep getting chance after chance, after chance, after chance money homeboy makes money. What's is that? Is that on my end? Is there like garbage happening on my end? I think so. I think so. Yeah, it is on my end. The garbage guy knew we were big fans of the show. All, all of our fans of the show choose to make the most noise during our show. 
Shout out to shout out to Scott and little Greg on the uh, on the back of the truck there. They're devoted listeners. They hit me up on uh, on X. We were chatting on there. <laughs> you are you can't get off that. You're constantly like I was reading on X this morning. Um, one last piece of news here. So one thing we have always wanted to know since we saw it was the Nick Cage cameo in the Flash, and I think we had even said on the show as the tractor is as the truck is driving through my are house here in <laughs> kenny you're recording from inside the garbage yeah. receptacle yeah. of the truck right now yeah, you're tumbling it, around freely yeah. it's pretty great um we had said <laughs> says the that, air conditioner guy i'm sorry yeah, go exactly, ahead exactly it's fine we we had said that we wanted to know like we needed to hear nick cage's side of the story as to like did he do this did they just did they digitally own the rights to him because he was in the uh, supposed the 1998 film Superman Lives. He was already, you know, contractually obligated to do that movie, and they might have. So he was interviewed and gave his thoughts during an interview with USA Today. I'm actually going to click on the interview. I'm reading a Hollywood Reporter story about the USA Today story, which is, I guess, that's how news works. Oh, they they are really these guys are real loud. <laughs> <laughs> Ken, Kenny, why is little Greg pouring all of the garbage over your head? Right? Why'd you let him in? This is this is just quite a lot happening. Now I know why they didn't do this is because they <laughs> they uh, there's a larger interview. Okay, let me just read this. It's so loud. I just hear beeping. I just hear it. <laughs> why, Kenny? Kenny, why why are you letting Scott grab you by the lapels and shake you really hard like that? Oh my god, it's so weird. Anyway, he said. In regards to his, his, <laughs> so loud. <laughs> During an interview with USA Today, published online Thursday, the Oscar winning actor said it was fulfilling to finally see the character come to life decades after the 1998 film Superman Lives was scrapped. Well, I was glad I didn't blink, he quipped. For me, it was the feeling of being actualized, even though that look for that particular character, finally seeing it on screen, was satisfying. But as I said, it's quick. So that to me, implies that he did not do anything for the movie and that they just digitally made him uh i also don't think nicholas cage has a hard time feeling actualized i think there's a lot of things throughout a given day that will make nicholas cage feel actualized like owning a golden sarcophagus or or uh, naming naming his son kal-el i have uh, i have have more i have i have more from i found the actual quote here we go well, I was glad I didn't blink. For me, it was the feeling of being actualized, blah, blah, blah. And then he says, was satisfying. But as I said, it was quick. If you really wanted to know what I was going to do with that character, look at my performance in City of Angels. <laughs> That's the, uh, Vim, the remake of the Vin Vendors movie, Wings of Desire, where he plays like an angel overlooking Meg Ryan. I was supposed to play Clark Kent after that in Superman Lives. And I was already developing this alien otherness playing this angel. That is... <laughs> so much garbage in the background. Mm. that is a perfect example of the tonality you would have gotten for the kal-el and for the and for clark kent clark would have been a little more amusing but kal-el had the sensitivity and the goodness and the vulnerability and all those things that were kind of angelic and also terrifying that is like the most nick cage quote ever i'm you know what i'm glad i don't have to live in nicholas cage's head i'm glad he gets to but i'm glad i don't have to yeah, I'm, I think I speak for all of us when I say that that would be one you were you you're in his head for, I don't know, two minutes and you're never the same. I think you would come out and you would never be the same. 
it's like that horror story they always tell you about like hey you do acid one time it could mess you up forever and it's like that's yeah. what a dip a dip of a toe into nicholas cage's reality that that tie-dye technicolor pulp swirl of homicide and aggression like it you know that guy thinks that guy thinks he's a ninja superman like i think that it's 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 really cool that he and tom cruise basically exist with the same level of self-delusion but tom cruise had to be taught his yeah tom cruise yeah tom cruise had to go through you know seven levels of you know thetan counts to find out all that stuff nick cage just like came out of the womb being like i'm great yeah he just he told he's like tom you're trying to find god i am god and then he disappeared you're wasting your time i'm right here bang later (laughs) loser (laughs) incredible thank you thank you thank Uh, you alex you're welcome we are on the uh fan controlled sports entertainment network the fan controlled tv feed one piece of sports news we give you every week. Alex, you take us out to the raceway. I'm assuming that's where we're headed right now. We are headed there at blinding speed. But coming to a a, a quick halt is the time of team principal with Alpine, Otmar Zafnauer. He's been booted at the very beginning <laughs> of silly season. Was actually uh, booted before. But no, no, no. This is uh, the the Hungar the Hungarian Grand Prix was the last race before the summer break in which we are, and and, and journalists call this the silly season because all sorts of things happen. But uh, Otmar was ousted as the team principal at Alpine, and he said, uh, by way of of some of the differences he found between himself and other leaders of the Alpine team, uh, he he had this bizarre um, quote saying, "You can't get nine women pregnant and hope you have a baby in a month." What? <laughs> okay. So, like, I think I think it's a bizarre. You know, he's it might be lost in translation between the Romanian, uh, but he, you know, his he's. I guess that's what his, the expectation of Zafnauer was. It's like th- there is an approach which is to have a baby. You have you get a woman pregnant and wait nine months. It's not getting nine women pregnant I'm... and waiting one month. But to say it like that was very strange. It's and like I expect. Old... Go ahead. No, I, 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 you go ahead. I was gonna say it's like that old joke. Uh, what's grosser than like what's gross? And then you say, Oh yeah, uh, what? Yeah, what? Gross, what? Uh, uh, nine, nine babies in one trash can. What's grosser than gross? What? One baby in nine trash cans. Yes, yes. I'm I glad you said joke. it and not me. They'd arrest yeah, me. You're welcome. I have a baby, so I'm allowed. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> But that's but there more to come. We are we are in like I said the beginning of the silly season, the the summer break. So a lot of uh, expect more bizarre, uh, bizarre news. As if the regular news wasn't bizarre enough from F one with all its crazy words and names. Hey, there we go. I love it. Um, I want to give first for my piece of sports news before I get to it. I want to give some flowers to the ladies uh, of the Women's World Cup. The United States team bowed out um, yesterday to the Netherlands in in PKs and in just an unbelievable, like sheer millimeters is what uh, knocked them out of the tournament. And it it was Megan Rapinoe's uh, last game, Julie Ernst's last game. So, you know, these storied, storied careers want to make sure we give them some shout outs. That's not my piece of sports news. I want to talk about something that very rarely happens. It happens so rarely in uh, English Premier League soccer, but this is what we got yesterday as Arsenal, my team, played Manchester City for the Community Shield, the FA Community Shield. The the Premier League scene 
Premier League season is usually played between the first game is the FA Community Shield. It is played against the winner of the FA Cup and the winner of the Premier League. The two teams then play each other and that kicks off the season. Manchester City last year won both the FA Cup and the Premier League. So in that scenario, when that does happen, which is very rare, and they also then won the Champions League, which, yes. Anyway, so in that event that happens, the number two team, it finished number two in the Premier League, then plays for the FA Cup, for the FA Community Shields. That's why Arsenal played. They That game was uh, one nothing for a long time, and then I believe in uh, extra minutes, Arsenal scored a goal. It was incredible. Uh, Trossard scored a goal. It went to PKs. Arsenal won in PKs. Fantastic. They won the Community Shield to kick off the Premier League season. Very exciting. Whoa, geez. That was yeah. exciting and incomprehensible. I, I, I know. I, you know, you rarely find those two qualities so closely together. That was amazing. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, speaking of quality and things we might not know the words for, Alex, you've been grinding just grinding and grinding like it's your job and it is your job to find us the greatest and, and most interesting and, you know, people who want to give and contribute to this show and make this show what it is. Who's our corporate sponsor for the week? Well, as a response to the project that we're, we're reviewing today, which is Ninja Turtles, this, uh, this family values based production company oh, is no. advertising their, their version, which is called fight lizards, the real one. And <laughs> These fight lizards, the real one, yeah. Okay, colon the real fight lizards, colon the real one. And so, these these American lizards have American values, not foreign warrior culture of yoga and ninjutsu. These patriotic lizards use their love of Christ and Krav Maga to slay the enemies of this great nation. <laughs> they're teenagers with the only they're teenagers with attitude, and that attitude is a weirdly aggressive one toward their mom for some reason. Uh, <laughs> They brush their teeth, say their prayers, and put chairs away after church. And don't worry, none of these lizards will feel black or anything weird like that. So that's oh that's fight lizards, the real one. <laughs> fight lizards, the real one. The thing is so funny is that I'm laughing at this very hard, but it also is probably something that is actively in development at one of these <laughs> studios. Right, right. Somebody, somebody, one of those mockbusters. They've got to have these uh, like proto-fascist uh, teenage reptile fighter kids. <laughs> oh, that segues us beautifully into what we are actually talking about this week, which is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Mutant Mayhem. This is the new movie. It's animated. It is written by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg, in addition to the two directors of this movie. Uh, Brendan O'Brien and uh, Jeff Rowe, uh, actually Dan, I'm sorry, Dan Hernandez and Benji Samit get with in addition to Jeff Rowe. So five people on the screenplay. I'll give, try to give a quick recap. I'll do my best. Um, basically we start in a flashback Baxter Stockman who created uh, uh, trying to make an animal family, starting with a house fly. He is interrupted by Utrom's strike force and killed and the resulting explosion while the mutagen falls into the sewers of New York city. 15 years later, the turtle brothers, Michelangelo, Leonardo, Raphael and Donatello have been raised by their adopted rap father splinter. We know that that's the base for the whole dang thing. They were transformed. So basically these kids want to get out and into the world. They run into 
a uh, person in a stolen moped that is April O'Neil revealing themselves and their origins. April, an aspiring journalist struggling to move past an embarrassing viral incident on vomiting on camera, has been investigating a series of robberies by a TCR technology by a criminal known as Superfly. Okay, that's the setup. They then decide that they're going to try to stop Superfly to both get April back in the good graces of her school, but also for them to be accepted by a society as well. They then find out that Superfly is a mutant just like them and meet fellow mutants who are just like them. However, Superfly wants to kill all the humans because they've rejected mutants from their entire lives. The, the turtles have to stop them. That's the movie. Alex, what did you think of this film? I, I, I have to tell you, I have to apologize up front because uh, my reaction is really mixed, but it was kind of more about like where I was that day. All I had a bunch of stuff going on. I had a really hard time tuning into this, and it was not the movie's fault. Uh, okay. I, I think it was a little bit long, and I needed a lot more action, I think. Um, but I, I, I like this. I hope more stuff, if we're going to be making more of these IP, you know, IP kind of properties, this is the approach I want to see taken. Um, it was beautiful to look at. I think the animation was like one of the things that they, you know, I think it was easy to make the, the across the Spider-Verse comparison. I think they dodged that pretty craftily by giving their figures a different kind of weight in the space yes. that I really appreciated. Um, it It's... I think the casting was great. I think the writing was great. Um, it, it, I, I, I definitely need to and want to watch it again because I, I want to give this thing like a fair shot and actually watch it. But to me, I think it was maybe for on first street a little long, especially for a movie that is very much geared toward kids. This is like one of the thing I think one of the things I think it does very successfully is aim right genuinely at a kid audience. Yeah, full full disclosure. I took my my kid, my ten year old, to see this movie with me, and I recorded her take. And we're gonna play her take as part of the show. Oh, awesome! Um, Will I be able yeah. to hear it? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I can play it. While I think you have to wait till it's come on until it's in the podcast. I may have to like just leave a gap there. Maybe I'll try. We'll see. We'll see what we can do. Okay. Um, I loved this movie. <laughs> I thought this movie was an absolute ton of fun. And this is coming from, and I think this kind of plays into like the next kind of question and I'll just kind of answer it. Like, I do think, I mean, I loved the animation. I thought the, the takes on this, but I think my, the reason why I loved this so much is to go to kind of go to the next question I wrote on the, on the, the breakdown, which was like, what was your kind of association with the turtles as a kid? And for me, I was like, even though it's interesting, you know, they're called the teenage mutant Ninja turtles. They're not written for, 17 year olds you know what i mean they are still written for like 10 to 14 year olds you know what i mean they're not like to say that they are in them they are, are themselves in high school i don't know if when i so when i was in high so the cartoon came out when i was like 11 maybe 12 and it was like sweet spot i was like holy crap this show's amazing i started reading the comics i was very into it and then i remember right around the, fir the first live action movie came out. I might've been like 13 and I was like, great. And then the second one came out. And that of course is the infamous go ninja, go ninja, go was. And when that second one came out, it felt like to me, like a bunch of old people were in a room trying to tell me <laughs> what cow kids act. And 
whatever sort of research they had done about kids, I felt like that was not me anymore. And I felt like the, for a long time, the turtles were trying to act like teenagers, but they were still being written and played by like 55 year old dudes, you know? And the thing I loved about this movie was that, and I've since like heard of this about it since I've, you know, watched it is that they felt like teenagers. They talked like teenagers, but they also felt like them. And uh, Seth Rogen said in an interview very early on, they realized they were just listening to the guys interact. And because he, first of all, when he said that when they did the Lion King, he was actually in the room with Billy Eichner and um, Donald Glover when they did all their scenes. And he was like, I like that. That's how I want to do this movie. And so he wanted to have them in the same room. And he heard them talking off camera about just like, you know, videos they were watching on TikTok and words that they were saying. And he was like, well, this is it like this is who that this is the movie like let's so he let them go and the fact that like these kids like not that i can relate to them because i can't i'm 46 years old i cannot relate to teenagers but the fact that they were teenagers it made the movie it gave it like a cool factor that i think has been lacking from the property since the first movie frankly this is this is I, I was gonna say one of the things that nails completely is this is the first time that the tur turtles have actually felt like teenagers because Absolutely. pre prior to this you're right like every extension of it was the result of middle-aged men in a boardroom and teenager was an aesthetic it was a reason they could skateboard and eat pizza that's why they skateboarded yeah. and ate pizzas that they were teenagers <laughs> and to make these not only real teenagers but you know, a rooted in reality teenagers and clearly rooted in a dynamic that existed between these performers that they were able to capture was completely successful for me. And, and I really enjoyed that part of it. And, and uh, Io it's Io plays uh, April O'Neil, right? Io Adabiri. Yep. From the bear. She, she Nailer. It's just a complete grand slammer. Um, it, the, I think extending out into how they approach this movie differently. And, and I'll say like, my prior relationship with the turtles too is similar to yours. I mean, I, I, I had the, I had a couple of the turtle action figures. I watched the cartoon whenever it was on, uh, bought the comic, had the, had the magazine that I was subscribed to, you know, turtle power. Um, but yeah, yeah, that the, the movies were just, the movies and the cartoons were just, Oh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a turtle who knows how to karate and he says cowabunga, but to choose to make teenager a part of the character and a challenge for the character that, you know, the, those, the, these characters deal with teenage impetuousness uh, and, and, you know, extending the reality of what we know about these characters um, from pri prior incarnations. I thought that the splinter stuff was really beautifully done. He's oh, a, yes. like an immigrant dad. I was totally um, going to touch on this. Absolutely. Raising, raising his kids with what he thinks is a healthy fear of the outside world. That'll keep them safe and how he's earned that. And, his change and uh, yeah i i um I, I thought that that was the you know that's the wisdom that i think seth rogan can bring to certain approaches he's a good a decent writer and storyteller and he yeah, was I'm, able to unscrew these characters and and bring out these more core elements of who they always were but maybe never have been portrayed to be at least not in my experience i mean i know there's been like 15 ninja turtles cartoons over the last 30 yeah. years but the thing that I think that it has been kind of lacking with this property is that it, because it's like cowabunga and skateboarding and pizza, and it's like, they're like hitting teenage tropes is that you age out of it because you reach a certain point where you're like, 
people don't talk like you know what i mean like part of the reason right. why i stopped watching because i was watching these people be like cowabunga and pizza and then like you know having vanilla ice who at that point was like no longer cool i remember being in junior high and like that you know ice ice baby was the biggest thing ever like you know people in their z cabarichis and people you know shaved lines in their eyebrows like it was vanilla ice was it but then by the time he was in the turtles movie it was like this guy's not cool anymore and saying cowabunga is kind of ridiculous and like skateboarding to me wasn't at that point was no longer like a goofy it was like you know i knew people at that point who had like half pipes in their backyard and it was like serious it wasn't like a so the the turtles have always been it seemed like something you would age out of. And so they had to constantly make them these like goofy kids. Whereas this, like, again, I can't relate to them, but they felt like people and they felt like characters that I was interested in. And the change to Splinter, I thought was such a great choice, especially like you cast Jackie Chan and then you're already thinking that, Oh yeah, well, Splinter is always this kind of traditional Kung Fu movie character. He's like the traditional old wise master to the kids like the kung fu is like not a big part of this movie like they're already trained by the time that they're going and so yeah you make his character like that immigrant story and that's why you really have jackie chan you don't have him because you you, know, you think you cast him it's going to be this like like he literally he literally played mr miyagi <laughs> in a karate kid remake but that's not what he's doing here and i thought that was a really cool choice uh, yeah i think i think that making being allowed to make specific choices, getting, you know, cre decent creatives on board and letting them cook is always going to result in something interesting. And this is the most interesting, I mean, granted my specific experience, but this is the most interesting conversation worthy turtles that have ever been. hundred percent. Cause I didn't, I didn't even see the like Michael Bay produced ones. Cause they just looked silly. They just looked silly. And my interpretation is that they were so, you know, and it's also, you didn't, didn't garner my interest when you said Michael Bay produced movie. I right. wasn't like, yeah, cool. Cause well, he's done really he, awesome with the transformers. He just, I mean, it was those movies. I think I saw one, two, how many, were there 18 of them? Anyway, they, they, yeah. uh, felt they, like it. they were so genericized and this is so specific. They are teenagers. Yeah. They are mutants. They are ninjas. They are turtles. And like they're, that, it's almost like in the writer's room or in their office, they had a bunch of circles and where those five or six qualities all overlap. Like that's where the inflection points are for drama. You know, they teenagers already feel like mutants. You already feel like an outcast, all the hormones and stuff like that. What if you literally were, but you were, you had all these superpowers, but because you're an impetuous teenager, you can't use them right. And all of that was so just like, well well observed and to me i think it creates a teenage mutant ninja turtle that anybody can access because they are that's how teenagers are anybody will be able to recognize those as teenagers yeah and i can attest to that my my kid who's a tween who's going to be a teenager in a couple of years she enjoyed herself tremendously she had a great time she connected with the april i thought the way that i thought the rework of april o'neill was a wonderful choice and casting ao from the bear was great, but I think I loved making her a teenager too, because April is usually like a full grown adult when, and she, you know what I mean? And she's like that weird kind of 
the you know her her obstacles to success she's like the the reporter trying to get a big story you know that's how she normally right. has been portrayed but this is April O'Neil's motivations in this movie are the same as the turtles. She just wants to be a lot of this movie is just wanting to be accepted for who you are. Like that's what the, every character's kind of arc is, is that they just want to be seen and heard. And it is like an immigrant story. It is, it is not lost on me that like, I think half of the turtles are people of color that April is a person of color. Like these are people who just want to exist in the world and be seen for who they are. That's what everyone's motivation is. I just thought like their choices made were so great. And also going back to that kind of, you know, the ever present adult April dynamic, it really makes it gross how in the fourth live action one, after she has sex with Leonardo, she says, I guess now you're a man mutant Ninja Turtle. Um, <laughs> that scene was weird like seven full minutes i like that they left in all the squeaks between the industrial lubricant and the neoprene suit and april's skin you know <laughs> i think that that was really cool it made I me it, that made me really horny when i was like 13 hey oh um i will say i one of the i do think this movie was actually also like legitimately funny there was like a ton of like funny jokes in it but the fact that when they got captured and then they were actually milked, which my kid was like, I don't know. How are they being milked? And I was like, I don't know. But it was damn funny that they were like, oh, no, we're being milked. <laughs> that yes. Yeah. Funny. That was a funny bit, man. No, all the, I mean, again, I needed to I needed to have not seen it on such a busy day at the end of that busy day. And I, I frankly, if I'd seen it with you two, I probably had it would have had a much different take sure. because there's i'm i'm in my notes and my memories i'm mining all this positivity but i remember sitting there in the movie theater going like i'm not not like having the best time right now Whew. so was it's the world we live in man i know so man i'm rung out it's so up and down i will say i think something we've agreed with the the animation choice i i thought the the thing that it definitely, yeah, it's hard to not compare it to Spider-Verse because that's kind of the closest parallel. And I don't think this movie exists if Spider-Verse doesn't exist. No. But the choices that they made to make it kind of feel like at times that it was drawn from like their notebooks. Like if you notice a lot of the human characters were really kind of gross looking and like a lot of their hair just looked like it was just kind of squiggled on. And I loved like when cars like made turns, like the smoke almost looked like it was drawn on. Like it was so cool. The animation it was like hand drawn, but also 3d at the same time. It just was like, you could have watched this movie on silent <clears throat> and still been like, wow, that's really great animation. It really, yeah, it's really striking looking. The the art direction and design is is out of control. Really, really, and and like I said earlier, does a decent job distinguishing itself from what Spider Verse has has laid claim to in its own way. And both are fantastic in that arena. Um, and I think it 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 heralds more stuff that's going to be a little different like this. You know, maybe more studios and IP holders will say, oh, we'll let them kind of play in this space because it quote unquote, doesn't really matter. It's the off brand, you know, version of this character to mine some really interesting stuff. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I, this movie, 
Look at like this and Spider-Verse and Guardians Volume 3. They're, you know, it, they, they kind of run counter to this narrative of like, oh, we are overloaded with superhero content. And I, for an extent, we definitely are. But there are still people and there are still creatives who are figuring ways out to make this stuff interesting regardless of your experience with it you, you it's hard to deny that this isn't like people making choices and making specific choices and making something that is interesting and not surprising for this actual piece of ip and so these things can exist and can work as much as they absolutely cannot work <laughs> so i think it just kind of keeps us in this kind of weird place with this content. But I think the overarching thing is like, you have to at least have some sort of take on it. Otherwise, you know, we get Drax's baby arm, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I think, I think what, you know, we're seeing things hand in hand, you know, it, it, it's not like people are saying, um, Oh no, nobody saw the flash and it was amazing. You know, guardians of the yeah, galaxy true. three is a hit and it was great. Uh, yeah. The stuff that's good, Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse is a hit and it's great. You know, there is no, it, it's, it, I've said it before. There is a, people are having bad superhero, bad comic book. You know, they're tired of that. The stuff yeah. that works, works in both fashions, it turns out. The stuff that has the most creative merit is bringing in big bucks. Funny how that works. It's funny how that works. It's how funny like, how it's always worked in every commercial creative pursuit, but it, the commercial creative pursuit is controlled by the commercial who is trying to turn whatever is creative into a formula so they can just bank on it every time. Uh, yeah, yeah. There is definitely This is why we world. fight. This is why we this fight. This is why we fight, baby. This is why we're out on Amazon. We're at, I went to Paramount last week. Have you walked at Paramount before? Dude, next time you're at Paramount, let me know. That's like two miles from my – I'm like right in the neighborhood was, there. It was kind of a thing. My uh, my manager, she lives in Eagle Rock. I live in Culver City. We were like, let's meet up. Paramount. Have you if, if you've walked there? No. I'm sorry. Have you been on the picket there? It is essentially just walking from the one side of the, the sidewalk from uh, the, the big gate. You walk, and then you wait for the, the, the light to turn green and get the walk signal. You walk to the other side turn around, go back and maybe walk like five feet past it. And you just do that over. And there's a lot of like, you let every car go. There's a lot of, it's a very active light. So, and you don't get, the, so it's just a lot of standing, but people got to be there. We got to do it. It's, it's all, we got to shut them down. It's all part of it. The one thing I will say about this movie is there is definitely people could take this and make it shitty you know what i mean <laughs> like there's absolutely there's a way if, if where somebody could not build on this and just make the crappier version of it very easily uh lego movie 2 and ninjago and batman lego movie like the, no, you, lego you batman the legs good. of lego batman, lego batman movie is good but lesser than lego movie yeah, when you sweep yeah. the sweep the legs out from under the main creatives who are the visionaries they Again, those commercial gatekeepers go, we know it works. It's the look. So they'll just replicate the look and put other creators behind it. I mean, like, uh, I think 22 Jump Street a little bit suffers from this. You can tell it's I disagree. people imitating think, a little bit. 
I think 20, 20 Jump Street was made by Lauren Miller, and I think 22 Jump Street, and I will say this straight up, is one of the best sequels ever made. Fight me. It's really good. It's really funny, but there's something about it that feels a little bit a step back from the first one. I think a little I think, distance from how special I, the first one and crackly. I just wholly disagree with you in every which way, shape, or form. I think it enhances the first one. <laughs> it's great. I freaking love that movie. No, it's great. I will. I'm, I'm, it's the same thing. I'll rewatch that one too. Jesus you know Christ. Great, you know what's great in that movie? I would argue that this movie is the first time, like the last time Ice Cube was this good in a movie was 22 Jump Street. Oh, he was, he's a, he he's was a great in this movie. He was so good in this movie. And he's extremely problematic in his, he's been, you know how many jobs he's lost from refusing to get vaccinated? Millions upon millions of dollars. He's lost a lot of jobs, but he got this one because he can sit by himself in a booth and he crushes this movie, man. He is, and it's basically just playing Ice Cube. Like when he turns to at one point and is like, nah, fam, we ain't doing this. I was like, great. This is great. I love that just that somebody has finally just told Ice Cube, we're going to use this voice, but we want you to just be you, period. Don't You don't got to play a fly in any way, shape, or form. You're not a character. You are just Ice Cube. Go. He, he, uh, but, and, and then, you know, it's so different for him because he usually loses himself so much in his roles. I know. <laughs> but you know what I mean? He's a real, like, he's a real chameleon. Like, I don't know, like, when, when he's making a movie, like, you know, uh, the movie with Charlie Day, which is actually a very funny movie. If he gets to say Molly Wop all the time and he gets Molly Wop and then the, the, the scene when then the kid was like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be Molly Wop. That, <laughs> that was hysterical. I don't, I, I don't see how, by the way, I don't see how you put Ice Cube in anything and don't make him say Molly Wop. Like I that's just, your chance. Yeah, I just thought he, the, the, I, you can, you could see the amount of fun that he was having in the booth like that was coming through the performance and i just think you don't when you think of ice cube you don't think of like in his performances as an actor you don't think of him as like exuding fun you know what i mean like i'm not saying he's not having fun but that's not like his persona in any which way but you could tell that he was like he got it like he knew what the joke was he knew what he was doing and i just and this isn't a movie that has Paul Rudd playing a gecko who also crushes as Mondo. Wonderful, gecko. wonderful. Mondo, I had Mondo gecko. They replicated. By the way, I just as an aside, uh, uh, I think Ice Cube usually his his attitude is someone's interrupted his meal. But uh, the Mondo <laughs> gecko is an example of of they replicated so many specific little touch points for me. Mondo geckos flip flops um, are are right off of the action figure. And the it, and so are their belts, the little the little extruded logos, the, the the letter logos on their belts are they visually feel exactly like the belts on the action figures, like how that how that little kind of embossed letter was raised out of the middle belt buckle, like that was such a re- weird specific touch point to me that felt like you know obviously it's being created by people more our age than the target, um, and that that felt really aimed at me. There's this, um, there's this story. Yeah, I, I, same. I feel the same way. I thought they, they nailed the turtles. The, the turtles looked. Cause the thing too for me when the turtles got, um, as I got older and the more and more and they became, I just felt like 
there's a certain level to the turtles. Like, I know this is goofy. These are literal turtles that become teenagers from falling in ooze. They were already, like, operating at kind of a goofy level. But there was a little bit of, like, I want to say darkness to them. And then I felt like they just kept lightening it up as they kept making more movies and more cartoons and all these things. And I thought they, again, these turtles had that balance. I'm not saying they were like dark, morose people, but they, they nailed the look to where they looked like how they're supposed to look, but they also look specific to this property. I, I agree with you. I think that that, you know, I, I'm a really big fan of the original Eastman and Laird design of the characters that kind of yeah. more, you know, gritty, stylish, cartoony look. There's, I'm trying to look for it now. There was an immediate post Eastman and Laird um, look that was part of the late 80s Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles tabletop role playing game source book. Okay. I think that they're fighting the Technodrome and some sauropods on the back of it. Yeah. And that is the cleanest look of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that there ever was. And I think that you're right. They kept extruding away from that. They kept like pushing into the, like the original cartoon look versus what was going on in the comics at that time are like a crime. Yeah. Because they um, didn't have, they didn't have eyeballs in the comics. They were like, you know, they, how they started this movie, they just had whites. There was no, there's no dot. And then when they made them animated, they gave them like actual eyes. Did I go away? Sorry. There we go. No, you're there. You never went away from me. You've always been there. Okay, for good. Me. You've always so I, been there. You know what? And, and that's what I, I you know, I, I swear to you every morning that that's what I do. <laughs> so loudly, too. So it's a, it's a, yeah, profanity, very... it's a profanity-laced swearing. <laughs> oh, I've, I'm, I'm fucking there for you, you piece yep. of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear my comment though about the the eyes? Did you hear that comment, or did we not hear that? Yes, yeah, that yeah. that like the pupilless sort of Batman eye is super cool. That's always going to be a better thing for a character. But then like the cartoon, you know, but it did lead us to those weird lumpy creamsicles that they made that never looked right, and the gumball eyes were always off center. <laughs> you ever see those? Those are yes, those are I maybe know. those are maybe the, <laughs> the worst product placements ever made. The creamsicles. Oh man. I love, it. I want to talk about a couple more things. Uh, one, one, one more thing, actually. Uh, the thing that I also truly enjoyed of this movie were the needle drops, the music choices in this movie. The fact that there is a whole fight scene set to no diggity was like, I found that to be, and used in a way like, you know, how often with kids stuff, they like take, you know, old hip hop songs, but they play it over like, a talking dog catching a frisbee while the baby's running around the room. And it's like, Hey, we're going to play some old, uh, you know, NWA over it as ironic, ironically, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or it's by Ariana Grande. Yeah. We're, yes, exactly. But this was like all the like old school hip hop. Cause old school hip hop is still like popular with teenagers. It's, and it hits something that hits for the adults who are there specifically me with my kid or people who bring their kids to this movie. But I just was watching that being like, oh, this is rad. I was like watching that whole like opening fight scene or that whole scene set to no diggity. I was like, great, this is great. Thank you. Thank you very much. I feel seen. <laughs> I'm going to sign up for Paramount Plus and watch it when it comes out. You should. 
Paramount Plus. This this podcast is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Please give actually, us your we're, login. We're brought, yeah, we're brought to you by Paramount Plus Plus, which links up people with Paramount Plus accounts with people who don't have them, so they can share. Yeah, accounts and favors. There are two people here that somebody who wants to watch Ninja Turtles again, but both people definitely want to watch all the Star Trek content that's on their website. <laughs> Your hair looks great. I what want to watch doing? what all the fuss is about with Lower Decks. It's great. Lower Decks is super fun. With it. I know you're having fun. Alex, was this movie uh, Star Wars or Star Trek? Uh, it was Star Wars, I think. It was Star Wars it, for, for sure. You know, uh, you know, it, taking something established, you know, pulling deeper themes out of it and uh, and just making something fun. You know, yeah, I, I, I think this is a Star Wars style experience. What do you think, Kenny? Hey, Kenny, can I ask you the same thing? What do you think? That's a great question. Thank you for taking time out of your day to ask it. Um, oh, thank you very much. Yeah, this is definitely Star Wars. Star Wars, of course, the very first Star Wars story we got was a teenage story. I mean, you could pretty much say that Luke Skywalker was a teenage, I mean, not really a mutant, but a teenage human ninja person. And so, you know, the the Jedis are basically ninjas. So, yeah, this is Star. We've yet to see a teenage Star Trek story. Do it, you cowards. Like, come on. And yeah, and people people from Tatooine are technically tortoises, so it's that's close too. Well done, teenage mutant ninja Thank <laughs> Tatooines, <you>. Tatooines. <laughs> teenage mutant ninja Tatooines. Um, Alex, who's Tatooine. the big winner? Who's this big winner? The big winner of this movie for you? I think Jackie Chan. I think he Ooh, he did. You know, he's he's not somebody who like. I'm never enamored of performances that are just his voice. I'm always like, why? Just because like, that's the, that is to me, the ultimate sort of stunt casting. Cause yeah. you're like, Oh, you recognize his voice, right? There he is. And like, I've never heard him kind of, that's not where his talent lies. I'm talking like, just sometimes looking at his face while he's performing. That's such a crucial part of his talent. And this time was something different. He brought a different level. I think he was, I don't know that he's been given a piece of material like this ever before. Uh, and and by and by the people that gave it to him, and I think it resulted in something interesting. I I really like that take too. Um, I, again, I think that was it was so you you make the casting choice because on paper that's who you think of. Oh, we need to cast a someone to play their kung fu master, Jackie Chan. You know what I mean? But the fact that they bring him in and give him something different and not what you're expecting from the character, I thought that was really cool. I do think my winner, though, is Ice Cube. I just thought he was so fun in this movie. <laughs> Extremely problematic. Get your goddamn vaccine. Like, come on, man. We're, we're surging again. Get your vaccine. You, you, you do it. But he was weird. Uh, <laughs> weird, weird that an anti-vaxxer portrays a, a giant mutated bug. I, yeah. Maybe a little something. Maybe that's how they sold him on it. They were like, see, you are Pfizer, and that's why you're trying to spray everybody in the world because that's what <laughs> that's what Pfizer did. He see that's what he sees himself. Oh yeah, I'll do that because y'all, this this character is just Pfizer. Yeah, he said, I'm working on a rhyme, a, a song, and I've got the rhyme Pfizer, you lie, sir, but that's about all I've got. Ooh. And they were like, hey, we'll have you just why don't you take a break from that and be the bug in our movie for a minute and then Hopefully he forgot about his dumb song. To steal a quote from uh, Don Cheadle from Secret Invasion, that's fire. Um... <laughs> <laughs> that's, 
Don't be racist like a scroll, Kenny. <laughs> yeah, they they are. That, that scroll was pretending to be a black man for a long time. Um, we know who the big loser is. I mean, we know obviously this is kind of hard. This is a Paramount property. This would have been a, some serious like Sony loan out things going on here. But I mean, we're in the world of Guga. There's no reason why a boat Sam Wilson's boat can't show up. And mm. and world of world of water based Guga, because forgive me if uh, if Thank I missed my zoology classes, but are a turtles are a turtles not an amphibian who are a water creature Preach. sometimes too everywhere. Water, water everywhere, and not one stop to think about a fishing boat owned by Sam Wilson, the Falcon, now Captain America. And I just think, I just think, if you're against the fishing boat, you're against America, and that's frankly it. Oh, I'm over. I'm over it. I'm over it. No, hey, 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 hey. It's okay. It's okay. That's definitely the big loser. Um, Alex, I'm scared to hear another ad read about the uh, Christian turtles, but here we go. You got another one. It's (laughs) fight lizards, the real one, and uh, they're. They're calling out to say, fight lizards, unite uh, to to join in your mastery of the very American martial art of Krav Maga. So uh, they're asking the fight lizards to unite. That's uh, the, the lizards are Reagan, Buckley, Norquist, and John 316. Those are the, the four fight lizards that are going to be starring in fight lizards, the real one. Uh, they may be vigilantes, but when they do it, it's not illegal. Oh man, I went to, I remember being in Catholic school and being told that whatever was the law was God's law. So if you break the law, then you're committing a sin. So I I don't know how the mental gymnastics works when like marriage is legal across the country and homegirl won't make a website for somebody. I don't know how that's somehow justified in, in uh, Christian brainwaves, but Hey, the Supreme court said she could have her refused to make a website that she wasn't actually even making anywho they shouldn't they shouldn't have been telling you the other thing either why 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 yeah. inter why intermingle them anyway yeah anyway you know what time it is now though oh yeah it's game time it's time to hear the game time stinger here we go devil Hit me, baby guy. hold on i'm holding my- my microphone <laughs> uh, i love the game time stinger it's fun that we didn't that we didn't hear but you all just heard all right you ready for the game you all just heard it i'm ready i'm here for it this game is called did they date it's hot outside Ooh. for a lot of folks so a favorite pastime for folks sitting inside their air conditioning is the ancient art of courting or fucking you know just being together that's why we are going to play the game <laughs> That's why we're going to play the game. Did they date? The game is simple. I'm going to name two characters from Marvel Comics, and you have to tell me if they dated. Are you ready? Let's do it. The first one is one that we've talked about a lot on this podcast. Star-Lord and Kitty Pride. Did they date? Yes, they've dated. Yes. Kitty and Peter met during the events of the 2014 X-Men Guardians of the Galaxy crossover, The Trial of Jean Grey. And have been literal star-crossed lovers ever since. You're welcome. You ready for the next one? Yeah. Daredevil and Black Widow. Yes. 
Yes, they have. Black Widow and Daredevil were a major couple of Marvel comics to the point that they co-headlined the Daredevil comic for a time. Ready for the next one? I, lo- I love to co-headline. Let's do a it. Co-headliner. Gamora and Tony Stark. I, I think they've definitely hooked up. I don't know if they've dated. Yeah, it was a brief fling. They did. And they did canonically get it on. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes, not all the time, I see a couple walking with their child and I think to myself, they for sure have sex. And like, <laughs> I know most couples have sex, straight, gay, queer, whatever, you be you. But like, sometimes you see two people with the kid and I can't help but think, wow, you two have sex. I have sex and I know what that entails. And it's hard to not see two people with the baby and think, you know, that sex that I've had, these people have had that too. You two have sex. Ready for the next one? Yes. (laughs) All right, here we go. Carol Danvers and Rhodey. Yes. Yes, they have. It's been up and down though with Carol recently Splitting up with War Machine and spending time with Doctor Strange, a.k.a. Benny Cumbies. <laughs> get, get rid of your War Machine and get with a sex machine. Hey, yo. You ready for more? More? Here we go. Let's Black, do it. Wi- Black Widow and Winter Soldier. Yes. Yes, they have. And look, I have a wife and daughter, so I'm allowed to think that two people with a baby have sex. And I'm aware that as much as I can see two people and think with a kid and think, huh, you two have sex. Someone can see me with the kid and think you two have sex. But I like to think that when people see me and my wife, they think, wow, you two have sex. I am a child. Are you ready for the next one? Yeah. <laughs> Sam Wilson as Captain America and Jane Foster as Thor. Yes. Yes, they are. Speaking of children, my daughter is 10 years old going into fifth grade and she hasn't started having any crushes. In fact, we're not even sure which team she's playing for. She's that uninterested in the whole crush idea. But I look back on my life and good Lord, did I have crushes when I was in fourth grade? I was, I'm just doing stand-up now. I was asking girls out on dates in fourth grade. They were saying no, but I was still asking. And my daughter is already at this point in her life. That shit terrifies me because she's only a few years away from middle school. I don't know about you, but for me, going from elementary school to middle school was like going from little league to starting in the world series. I mean, in elementary school, getting a hug from a girl was all, was the most scandalous thing that could happen. But I remember on day one of junior high school, seeing two eighth graders making out and no one seemed to care. And my fucking mind exploded. I immediately became riddled with anxiety. Is this what we're going to be doing now? I feel like I missed a bunch of steps. I can't do that. I asked a girl to the movies once in fourth grade and we went with three of her friends and three of my friends. And I sat on one side and then my three friends and then her three friends and then her. So we sat six full seats away from each other at the time. And that was like fucking crazy. But now you're saying I got to start open mouth kissing. True story. I had a girlfriend in junior high for two weeks. And one of those weeks was spring break and she was out of town. I know. Impressive. And on our fourth day out going out, I went in for the peck on the lips and she went in for an open mouth kiss and licked my lips. The next time we saw each other, she broke up with me. So needless to say, I'm a great kisser. And that was, did they date? I I will say this. 
A, great game. B, uh, when I was in seventh grade, a seventh grader gave an eighth grader a blowjob in the bathroom. <laughs> and I said to myself, I'm not ready for this place. I know. I remember showing up and just seeing people suck in face. And, and I was like, what happened? I, it was Holding hands was like a big deal in sixth grade back in elementary school. And now we're just like, we're, uh, we're in each other. And no one, that thing, it was, thing too about it was that no one seemed to care. Full Penno. Like, Right out and there in like, the open, and nobody like, gives oh, a we're shit. We're doing this now, okay. And that was today date. There we go. Can I ask uh, you? So I, I, I know, I know that your daughter's not interested, but has anybody has she dealt with interest? I'm sure. I mean, I, I, I can't tell. I know that there's, there was. I don't know. She might listen to this because she's going to be on it in a minute. <laughs> so maybe we shouldn't <laughs> say anything. Oh, no, I just I because I, I know like I think it's for she seems like the smart smart kind of kid who goes sure like who's there for me to be interested in yeah, frankly no, but like that wouldn't pre, that wouldn't preclude anybody else from and so I would just be curious how how a smart a smart sensitive kid like would deal with that you know yeah I mean I'm sure she has it but she's she's doing her own thing she's a good kid man she like she like she has doesn't have time basically you know she has friends who do who are like oh, i've got a crush on so and so and she just doesn't she doesn't rock that i'm fine with it no I, it's, a, it's a smart a weirdo. play i was a weirdo no, I, same I, here. Acting girls out in the fourth grade like what when i try what was i gonna actually achieve there yeah um, out where <laughs> that's what i said i went to a movie with three of my friends and three of her friends and that was like and they, we didn't even sit next to each other <laughs> and that was like wild that was like what is happening my parents were like what are you doing there was like a whole thing going on and yeah i my uh, yeah yeah woof woof yeah the, the like teenage being a teenager is the worst like i think that there's so many people out there that don't prepare their kids well for for being a kid and going through mm -hmm. some of that cruelty stuff that i think their answer is maybe well you got to buck up and deal with it and get through it but like without any sort of reminiscence back to how it felt to deal with it in the moment and uh yeah you two you two are are good uh good smart people it's gonna it's gonna rub off on her she's gonna she weather the storm very of adolescence very well i think she's doing great um so can we get speaking of people who are doing great the the real lizards the what are they called <laughs> Uh, there, it's fight lizards, the real one. Lizards, the uh, real it's one. an yeah, upcoming upcoming movie, and they're uh, they're they use the American fighting art of Krav Maga and their love of Christ to move the chairs after <laughs> church. And um, none of them are party dudes; they put country over party. Uh, so uh, <laughs> they have they each have a signature weapon. Reagan has a baseball bat wrapped in red, white, and blue barbed wire. Uh, Buckley uh, wields a sign that says "God hates homosexuals." Uh, Norquist <laughs> has nunchucks made of copies of Twelve Rules for Life, and uh, John three sixteen, of course, the most the most American weapon of all. You guessed it, ninja stars. <laughs> I so almost fight, fight fight lizards, the real one. I almost I almost want to see this movie. <laughs> like I, it's like one of these deals. Like one time. Um, like I, when uh, I used to, on the weekends, be I go down and visit my parents, and I was up here in LA, and I was like, I would take my mom to the movies, and I'd be like, Mom, you can pick it, you pick whatever you want, I don't care. And one time I went down there, 
and she was like well there is one movie i want to see but um you're not going to want to watch it i was like i don't care mom let's you you're, you choose it and she picked this like dinesh d'souza movie the 12 mules <laughs> no i forget what it was what america means to me or i i don't know oh it was such, boy it was such an absolute like beyond the fact that like the politics of it is just nonsense like as a documentary it just didn't work like it wasn't like he presented a law student and not an actual lawyer to like argue one of his points and i was like, like you can't even get a lawyer to back you up this is a law student great this is a but i remember going to see it with my mom and she was like you we we can't talk about it afterwards and i just sat in the theater and i laughed throughout i had a great time i thought it was an absolutely hysterical movie at one point there's like a, just a bunch of like stock shots of american imagery like hot dogs and barbecues and baseball <laughs> and it's all set to that song that goes like like Ooh, that one you know what i'm talking yeah. about yeah and it's like, and people were clapping along with it because they love America. And I was laughing my ass. <laughs> so I would, why I would, would you, like, why would you want to go to a movie theater and spend your time doing that? Like, it doesn't sound like it'd be fun. It sounds like you're going to an indoctrination center for some brainwashing is what it sounds like. Oh, the, they're going to show me a picture of the boss and he's going to tell me I'm good. It was, it, it was, it was worth watching. It was just an absolutely just Guga like goofy time at the movies and i was like you pick it mom and then she wouldn't let me talk about it afterwards she's like i don't want to talk about politics afterwards and i was like that's fine but i just need you to know that like this isn't like well made like you know that right <laughs> like this is not a well-made film this is a terrible movie anyway also why um... take you and like i get it you're taking but like Clearly, the implication is well, maybe some of this will get through to him. Oh, 100%. Like, she doesn't, oh. doesn't have to go with you. There was, but yeah, why, why do that to you? Like, that's very weird. It, let's save it for the other podcast we do. Let's um, get it into the other one that we do. And then we, yeah. Um, Alex, this is the time where we do our Hoopla recommendations. Hoopla, put your library card in. You, you can read stuff. What's your, but specifically comic books? That's what's cool about it. Do you have a recommendation for the folks? I'm still working my way through the uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I'm actually, I'm actually oh, very excited to hear your recommendation because I'm about to take off on a trip of the uh, the southern, so the southern Sahara, and uh, Sahara. And, what a, what yeah, a fun the southern Sahara. Fun. It's gonna be great. Uh, it's very hot, and uh, so I'm gonna need some recommendations of stuff to to read because I'm gonna be on a plane for literally 99 and three quarter hours. <laughs> it's, a, it's a full week long trip. Yep. It's, it's one of those weird instead of a cruise it's an airplane and you never leave the plane it's really fun because of the time zone shift you actually get out of the plane before you were born but then when you get back on you, you die because if there's one thing that we need to be like that i enjoy so much it's flying so if they could make it like a cruise that would be so great um yeah <laughs> please yeah in the air idiots Okay, yeah. Because we're talking Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, there is one run of the comics that ha has been referred to me that I'm going to read. I haven't read it yet, but this is, I'm told, is like one of the coolest runs of the comic. It's called The Last Ronin by Kevin Eastman, Peter Laird, and Tom Waltz. It's like uh, a future-based New York City, and the lone surviving turtle embarks on a seemingly hopeless mission seeking justice for the family he lost. Ronan, of course, there's Ronan was 
in Marvel Comics is Hawkeye, and in uh, the Endgame, uh, I think Ronan traditionally is a character who is somebody who is like exacting revenge and is like the last. So this is what it's supposed to be a real kind of gritty, real take on the turtles. It's supposed to be good. I'm recommending it. There, the last Ronan. Uh, there's an independent comic series called Ronan, I believe. By was it by Frank Miller? That's about from about the same time as uh the, when the turtles were released but yeah it's oh it was a hold on give me one yeah frank oh. miller it was from dc frank okay. miller's ronin yeah and uh yeah ronin is a is is a character and this is the last ronin and this is the turtles and this, there we did it there it is now before we get to what our dogs think I don't think I can play what my daughter thinks live. I'm going to just click on it and you tell me if you hear it. I don't know if you're going to, I there, I doubt there's a world where you can hear this, but we're, this might just be blank podcasting for a second. You just sent me something on Reddit. What did you just send me? The cover of Frank Miller's Ronin. Well done. You're a, you're a, you're a true sportsman. Uh, I don't see a word. I, let me see. It's playing. Can you hear it? No. Let's see. Can you hear that? No. Uh, I heard on mine. Maybe it came through my recording. Maybe that'll be so weird. All right. So we'll play that right now. Okay. So who are you? Hi, my name is Poppy and I have an obsession with corgis. She has an obsession with corgis. So I took you to see Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem last night, correct? Correct. And what did you think of the movie? It was absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. What did you like about it? I liked the barfing montage. The barfing montage by April O'Puke? Yes. I did not like the barfing name. Like April O'Puke. You don't like that her name was April O'Puke. But but I like when they um, added... um, uh, When they made it look like she was barfing rainbows. Yes. And then... And then at the end, when she barfed again, a little bit on the news channel was really funny. And then, um, who is your favorite turtle? Donatello. He likes anime. He likes anime. Do you like anime? Yes. Yes, you do. Um, let's see. So we liked, who's our favorite? Um, who... What so you, you you really nailed it here. So would you recommend people check out Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutants um, Mutant Mayhem? Yes. Great. Thanks, Poppy. Bye. There it is. We heard my mom. We heard my mom's kill me. My we heard my daughter's take. Uh, she enjoyed it. She had a really great time. Her favorite scene was the throwing up scene. Yeah, that was terrific. That, was that whole gag was, so to speak, was great. Um, Alex, what did your dogs think of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem? Uh, they thought, hey, you know what? It was they, they warned me ahead of time it was probably a little late to go see a movie, but I ignored them <laughs> at, my own, at my own peril. And they know it, and they've been good enough not to say anything. I was going to say, they've traditionally been big-time gloaters, so I'm, I'm glad they didn't this time. Yeah, I'm, um, sure, I'm sure I'll hear about it later, passive-aggressive note or something. Yeah, my dog didn't even get up from the bedroom, so she was wholly nonplussed, which is crazy because you would think a movie where a lot of animals are up and talking, she would have been all in because she loved the fact that there were all the animals in the Guardians movie. But 
no, she was not phased in the slightest. And, you know, we're still working on it. We're still trying to find her something that she really, truly, truly is here for. She seems to me to be the kind of dog that would look at an animal that could talk and fight and go, you spend too much time talking, you know? <laughs> True story. I was walking her the other day and we have very, uh, uh, I don't want to say aggressive. We've got squirrels that live in my condo complex that are just used to like getting food, like foods just left, you know, they go in the dumpster and they find stuff and there's tons of trees. And so they're very like at home in our uh, complex and was walking the other day it was almost to my house and there was a squirrel just sitting in the sidewalk right in front of my house and usually when the dog comes they get out of the way they they usually anytime anytime you walk near them they get out of the way this one did not move and we kept getting closer and closer and it didn't move and then we got to the point where i was like you know how fast you know squirrels can kind of lunge i was like this guy could get me right now this guy and he has he had his, he had his mouth open and I was like, I am within like full bite range. And I was like, this is how I die. This squirrel's gonna bite me. I'm gonna rabies get rabies dead. Over. And my dog could not have cared less what was going on. She she could not, she was in full, she could have had just a mouthful of squirrel if she wanted. She <laughs> she could have. She was that damn close, and she couldn't, she just could not even care. I was like, dog, this squirrel is going to murder me. It's going to bite me on the, on like the leg and give me rabies and I'm going to die. And you couldn't even care less. Right. It, it like, uh, you know, if not for your enjoyment, uh, how about my protection? You know, yeah, like, I, you, you know, to, you got to work on that. I will. Alex, where can the folks find you? Uh, you can find me in the, uh, in, on the continent of Africa uh, after my full flight that'll be uh i'll be there for we're going to be there for four hours and we're turning around coming right back and that'll be the two the two weeks trip <laughs> oh fantastic watch episode watch jury duty we should still plug that alex is great on that show it's still a great show emmy nominated well, show jury duty the the emmys aren't happening so maybe by the time the writer's strike and the actor strike gets solved and we actually have the emmys maybe we'll get to go I, you know what? Off. Knock on wood. I think it, you know, if if I don't get the invite, it's almost a blessing because what an anxiety trigger that whole thing would be. Whew. So much so. <laughs> I'm starting you to sweat find, right now. You can find me at Kenny G Stevenson on TikTok and Twitch. Kenny G Donut King on Instagram and Threads. Don't look for me on X. Um, Alex, what a treat! We did it. Another show in the can. It's fun to late, reconnect with you, buddy. A little bit late, but we're still doing it. Hey. You know, I, I, you know, the, the other day when I emptied my entire self of any, any nourishment, I knew that this day was on the horizon where I would at least fill my spiritual belly with good fellowship with my good friend. I love it. No, nothing else to say to that other than thanks for listening. Thanks, Kevin. Goodbye. Thanks, just Kevin Feige. Bye. Just to you. Bye. Bye. <laughs>